If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Say Things, episode 87, where Cinderin takes two very loud gulps during the intro. Mm. You look very refreshed today. Did you get a lot of sleep last night? You look oh, great. The water buddy. really helped. Uh, so I've been going to bed a little bit later lately. Mm-hmm. And then as I was going to bed last night, I was like, fuck, it's podcast day tomorrow. So, yeah, I'm a little bit underrested. But surprisingly, I feel like when I look at my webcam, I look less tired than I've done other days where I felt more awake. So what do you know? You just fake it. And we can just pretend I'm, I have slept fully because you can't tell, right? Right? That's right. right. And nobody watches the right. intro, so they'll never actually yeah. know this know. information anyway. Uh, okay, let's talk being, about our patron shout-outs, unless you have something yeah. else that you'd like to add. No, I was just going to say, I'm being told by a guy in chat that I look like I just woke up from World War II. So that's wonderful. All right, let's go. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> World War II. That's a random reference. Okay, uh, thank you to everybody in our Imbruge tier. Sam Davey, Suns fan, I appreciate that you asked Brax. If you read this series, it means that you care and you are intelligent. I can send yo. Awesome. Thank you, friend. Yo. Uh, Chakar, Boyko, Ustavko, Mutro, Fab Daddy, The Mega Pope, Tins, aka TI in New Zealand, Zan Xavier, Suns fan Pudge, Omega Lol, Nate Thick, Zero One, Hamscroats, Brother the Great, OG Jesticles, Hamscroats, Bacon, no, not the bacon, the other bacon, pretending to drop on the floor like Woody on Toy Story whenever I see a random penis in the male bathroom. This guy really knows my humor. I mean, maybe it's not difficult to, to tickle my fancy, <laughs> but you. it could just be me incognito. Uh, Lick, Shark TM, Freshly Seasoned Goat Balls, and the person I forgot last time around. Change will happen. Thank you, friends. Uh, and then finally, we also have the Ben Jackson, Ben Broomhead Alliance, Novi Panda, Dop. If someone asks you if you know someone famous who is Polish... Just say Robert Maklovitz, which I looked up, and he's apparently a historian uh, stuff. Oh, I thought it would be like a porn star. Okay. Yeah, that's why I looked it up, Um, Mm -hmm. because we really can't have that. This is a very Christian podcast. Uh, (laughs) Fane underscore man. The Ben Alliance's new campaign is to lobby for an in-bruge Suns fan center and commentary podcast episode, and we need your help. Pitch Black, Wooden Aftertaste, Duntalk, Dyslexic Lawyer, Anonymous, Peter Sinnerin pronounced it correctly, Niebling, and Ronnie Kiel. I'm assuming that's the correct version. Okay, I but have that's the one where he's a little rant. With 15 eyes, and you were like, "That's Niebling." Okay, Peter Niebling, that is not my <laughs> fault. I want you guys to tell me how you would pronounce something where they type N and then ten eyes in a row and then bling. Okay, why think, would you not do E? The E if you Niebling. The other pronunciation just. Right, K N E E B L I N G. 
That's then you true. would say nibbling. That's right. We there would. That's how you would say that. Terrible. Just terrible. I, I, thank got, you. You. I got you, though, Peter. I, I think it's good. I, thank I, you I very much. Never had a doubt. Um, uh, yeah. Thank you guys so much for the InBruce tier support. If anybody who is watching or listening uh, wants to chip in, it is patreon.com slash we say things if you want to be a part of supporting the podcast financially, as these fine ladies and gentlemen have done and others. There's other tiers than just the InBruce tier. That's the highest one. Cool. The highest and most prestigious by far. Mm. Uh, first topic of discussion is the most important topic. I would like to formally apologize to everybody that watched last episode because I forgot to ask both Cinderin and Brax whether they've seen in Bruges. So I have a message from Brax who have seen in Bruges, and he says, I quote, enjoyed it. So thank you, Brax. Cinderin, as of last week, had you seen in Bruges? No, Brax also enjoyed putting an anime green screen as his background for the podcast. So a full anime plastered room with posters and everything. So what does he have good taste? Does he have good taste, Shannon? Can we trust that? I mean, we, we don't have to take his word for it. You can take mine, your good friend, or Rotten Tomatoes, a good alternative, yeah. which a 90-something Let me percent. look at your background. Yeah, not good either, man. Okay. Uh, I like. So, I think I have the best background. You know, just a little green cloth taped to the wall. <laughs> on a yeah, it looks wall. pretty fucking ghetto. Very good. Great green screen, Cinderin. <laughs> Thank you. Thank uh, you something I forgot to put in the outline, but very important as well. The NBA, just a quick rundown. As of yesterday, the Suns were tied for first in the NBA, oh, Cinderin, with a 7-3 and three record. And, of course, what do they do to... They lose. Uh, to congratulate, to what is the fucking word? Whatever, it doesn't matter. They lost. Celebrate. Two of their last three games, they've lost to no offense to these teams, absolutely dog shit teams. We lost. That is to, really not offensive at all. <laughs> we lost again. Uh, these fans will not. After I go through with this, they will not be offended. I promise. Detroit Pistons, we lost to, who I think at the time had won one game. Uh, they're not even trying to win. They literally want to lose to get draft picks. That's the strategy of their team, as it should be. They don't, they're not going to be able to do anything in the playoffs. So wow, it's time to lose. totally not rigged at all. Trying so to lose. Very good. The, trying yeah. to lose, yet still win against the Suns. And then we come out and we beat Indiana, who's really good. And then the next game, which was today, we played the Wizards, who are 2-8, and eight, missing their second-best player. Their starting center is out with an ACL for the entire year. And we... We're down by 30, Cinder. It was dis- I was disgusted. Disgusted enough almost to stop watching. But of course, I'm a masochist. So I went through to the end, as always. And, so, and what did you lose by? Like 20. Oh, they made a huge nice comeback. comeback. You almost made it. If the game would have been four hours long, you could have won. That's right. Maybe. Maybe one day. I don't know what it is. But anyway. We need more best of nines in Dota. Yes. For sure. Okay, last update uh, before we get started with the actual episode. Congratulations to Weeha, who got married. Clap, clap, my friend. Hope uh, I messaged him, of course, uh, congratulating him and hoping him many years of a happy marriage. And Slacks had his baby, also known as T-Rex. For those that don't know, yep. his first name is Theodore, which for short is Teddy or T. And his middle name is Rex. For his dog, Rexy Roo. 
initials are T-Rex. And so my question to yep. you, it looks very cute, by the way. They took him home a couple days ago now. Do you think T-Rex will be good with the ladies? Or will it come off as a little... It can go one of two ways, okay? Do you think he'll call yeah. himself T-Rex, like the kid, when he grows up? I think he'll get pity. They'll be like, man, you got really unlucky with the parents' draw. <laughs> really? You think so? So, good, good luck. I just wanted to say good luck to Slax's baby. Uh, and, of course, congratulations, but... Mostly good luck to the baby. Yeah. Good luck, baby. Good luck. All right. You're going to grow up with Slax as a dad. You're going to need it. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. I wonder if he's going to make that baby a famous one. You know, just be that parent that gets him into Dota. This depression starts <laughs> early in life. He puts know? it on Instagram as at T-Rex baby. <laughs> uh, have you met Slax before? That sounds like something he would do. Yeah, I, we'll I'd see. enjoy it. I'm ready. Okay. So beginning of the episode, 7.28B has been released, Cinderman. It looks like mostly a neutral item uh, and shard change log for the most part. Yes. Is anything... I have a couple things that stand, stood out to me. I'll see if you agree. Mm -hmm. First thing, it's always interesting, like the first patch when something big is introduced, right? With like the neutral items back in the day or the talents when they first came yeah. out. Because you get to see what Valve or Ice Frog thinks is powerful and what's not. So Swift Blink has been buffed. Uh, yeah. So it allows you to exceed the max movement speed. Uh, the movement speed has been increased, and the attack speed, once you use it as well, has been increased. So they clearly thought, and the other two weren't changed, they clearly thought that this was the worst of the three, which I would agree with. Yeah. But I am worse. personally surprised that the Int version was not nerfed because I find it clearly better than the other two to the point where on a lot of strength heroes, I would still get the int, like Axe blinking in, or even Centaur. It's like an instant hoof stomp, instant Berserker's Call. I thought they would right. actually just get rid of that mechanic entirely from the item. What do you think? I think they're still... My guess is that they're trying out the mechanic and wants to, they want to give it more time because if it's a well-received mechanic or if it makes the game cool, they might add it to future items. That's my guess because it's so unique. Um... That component, so for those una uh, unaware of it, the arcane blink basically after you blink, I think it's for, is it for six seconds? You have 50% yeah. cast time reduction and CDR as well. Um, I don't remember what the CDR reduction is or CDR is. I think it's 25, but I forgot. Anyway, um, on a hero like Tinker, Rearm takes like no time to cast. I think that's the best hero I've seen for the item. You can actually mm -hmm. just fly around the fights and get all your spells off mega fast. Uh, and the second best is probably something like Shadow Fiend is probably the second best because Requiem is so fast. And then you have, you know, notable mentions like Enigma where you get the black hole off instantly and the cooldown is lower, which is nice. Uh, like the ones you mentioned, Strength Catch, Blink Heroes, late game. Um, you know, you know me, Shannon. I'm a boomer. I'm not really a big fan of some of this stuff. I don't like new content. <sighs> I don't know if I like cast time reduction, man, but I also didn't like status resistance. And you know what? It's really grown on me, but I still don't like it. So, so it's actually not grown on me at all. I still don't like status resistance. But yeah, you know. I, I wouldn't say I dislike that mechanic. I just don't like it on this item. Mm -hmm. Because I, I just amount, feel like it's, right? it's just clearly better than the other two, even with this buff to the swift blink. I don't know. But what if the amount was lower, right? Is, is it the mechanic itself of getting... 
It could just be like, the obviously if it was one percent, you wouldn't care, right? Then it would just be bad. But I'm like thinking maybe having it that high a percentage on any item is too much, but you could have a cheaper item that had like fifteen percent or twenty mm-hmm. or twenty-five. Yeah, that would still be... be really interesting and worth buying. Maybe. I mean, I, I think if they got rid of the mechanic on that specific item entirely, it would still be an item that heroes would pick up like late game. It just wouldn't be like again, if I'm just centaur, because of the CDR. Yeah, if I'm Centaur late game and I want to buy the Int version because it's just better, like you blink hoof stomp, you actually don't have really enough, unless you're cracked, as the kids say these days, Sindarin, you have mm-hmm. no time to react to hoof stomp. That's crazy. Yeah. The fact that I'm getting that over the strength version, something's wrong, in my opinion. But we'll see if they end up changing it at some point. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else in this patch? A lot of the hero shards, like we talked about, were changed. Anything jump out to you? Yeah, it's just, I, I think always when the cheaper items get more expensive, I think that's kind of important because it changes a lot of games. Like Cloak got 50 gold more expensive. It might sound like not sound like a lot, but it's pretty important because that item is very integral to a lot of strategies. You build it into Hood, build it into Pipe, you buy it against specific heroes. Um, then they buffed Falcon Blade. I, I don't remember what your opinion was on this item. I remember we talked about it when it came out, and I was like, I don't know, man. I, I don't feel like it's that good. It doesn't upgrade into anything. You basically pay for mana regen when you buy it, when you complete it. But now it's got even more mana regen and another 25 health. So maybe the item is starting to get to a point where yeah, I would we were, consider buying it more often. I think we were both on the same page where we're not sure why so many people are buying it. But yeah, people were buying it. They were just trying lot. it, I think. And then people stopped buying it because it just wasn't that good. But you know, a yeah, little push so. in the right direction here, I think. It's getting better. Orb of Corrosion costs 100 gold more. It flat out got a recipe. I think this is the cheapest recipe the game has ever had that wasn't for Flying Courier. I asked my stream yesterday and nobody could come up with anything. Flying Courier recipe was 75 at some point, I think. But 100 gold recipe. Isn't that just weird somehow? Uh, I find it a bit weird. Yeah, it is. I, that's true. I can't think of anything. Maybe there is something if you go way back, but yeah. I mean, it was neat. Orb of Corrosion is really freaking good. Everybody's buying it. It's good. It's, it's like good. completely core on like half the carries, it feels like. And a lot of position which, fours as well. Which also makes it debatable. Is it a good design, right? Like That's the question. If it's, I'm not going to use that as a benchmark because it's like saying boots are a bad design, right? Because every hero buys them. But I, I'm not sure. Like They were trying to bridge the gap here with heroes that want both or want one. The problem is that any melee hero that wants one of the two, the value for completing the whole thing is just so good that you'll almost always do it, right? If you're a melee hero that wants Blightstone, you'll almost always buy Orb of Corrosion. If you want Orb of Venom, you'll buy it every time. Like, literally. I don't think I've ever... Since this patch came out, I don't think I've seen a guy go Orb of Venom and not upgrade it. You know? It's kind of... I don't know. It's really good. Maybe this gold nerf makes it a little... Like, do you even still think twice? Like, if you're playing any melee core that buys Orb of Venom, do you ever think twice? I think you just go Corrosion still. Most times, yeah. I think so. Uh, another hero that was... The... Uh... Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, the problem in the past with Orb of Venom was that it becomes, quote-unquote, a dead slot really fast, right? So carries would buy this Orb of Venom to dominate the lane, and then 15, 20 minutes in, they'd be like, fuck, this slot sucks. I'll just sell it and get something else in there. But now you upgrade the Orb of Venom, and the slot actually has value. Because the Minus Armor helps you farm faster, it helps you take towers faster, helps you take Roshan, helps you kill heroes, and it gives health. 
So it's just like an amazing and slot it stacks for what with it costs. Items that like Deso and Orb of Destruction, yeah. I think it's called, right? The neutral. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of synergies. Uh Nick's Assassin, another one that was nerfed. Um, which I thought it was gonna be, I mean, I played against it for the first time the other day. I'm like, wow, this is getting nerfed. So the movement speed drastically changed from 40% to 25% for while vendetted. Um mana cost increased as well, and then his base movement speed even was decreased slightly. That yeah. I thought they might also change the magic resist the way that that works. I saw a post about how ridiculous it saw was in terms too. of damage output, but not touched. So we'll see how yeah. that ends up working out. And of course, the most changed hero in the patch, to nobody's surprise, is OD, who was absolute garbage. Can and I make a got an admission? Eight buffs in the same patch now, so we'll see. I I skip OD every time he's in patch notes now because I don't care what's been changed because I know they're just going to change it drastically again until he's done, which is never going to happen at this stage. Hasn't been changing done for his 10 name years. <laughs> so can you give me the TLDR on if he sh is going to be better? I mean, he should be better regardless, I think. Right? He got a shitload of better base stats, basically. Got two armor on a ranged hero, which is crazy. He got 0.3 agi gain, 10 move speed, one base HP regen, Higher chance on Essence Flux, more damage on Astral Imprisonment, more Mana Steel on Astral Imprisonment, more base damage on his ulti, better talents, <laughs> all of this in one patch. I think I saw a screenshot. His win rate went up by like 7.5%. since. So it's like 40% win rate now? Plus. It's like 40, 45, was it? Or something like that. Damn, um, like the thing the thing that some people are theory crafting, I still haven't tried it yet. I wanted to try it yesterday, but I didn't get to do it, is OD support because... When you have this good base stats, it makes for a very strong support, right? You have your ranged, you have high armor, you have better HP regen, so you can trade with that too. Um, and because of Essence Flux's buff, it's very reliable that you can use Arcane Orb a lot in lane and deal damage. So you can kind of be like a harasser support mm. that also has a save. One level in Astral Imprisonment is an insane value point, right? As a support. So... Uh, I think it's pretty interesting. Like after getting all these buffs, I think you can just stand your ground in lane as a support. I read somebody saying he out harassed an ogre, right? Like that's not. There's very few supports that can do that. Mm. Um, so that's a pretty interesting way of applying it. But I, I had, like I said, I haven't tried it yet, so I can't say if it's true or not. Uh, a notable one for me is Pudge Dismember for the shard cooldown reduced from minus seven to minus ten. How is this getting buffed? It's so good. It's so good, Cinder. I don't care what anybody says. This is a really good uh, shard. It is good. It Super is good cheap. Uh, anything else? Uh, Wraith King, who one of the most powerful carries of the patch. Not really enough for that much. Base damage reduced by two. His ult now costs 20 more mana, which you know can be significant, especially early game. And then the Vampiric Spirit, which is the lifesteal and skeleton built in. Uh, scale to be more mana early as well so you can't yeah. spam that as much so brings him a I little mean, bit he, back down to earth but he still should be good yeah exactly i think he deserved a bit of a nerf because of how ridiculously powerful he got really fast i i think the top heroes that were probably just too good in this patch were um were wraith king monkey king and who was it we said got nerfed first nyx those three and Lycan, of course. And all of those heroes got nerfed. I, I don't know if Lycan's nervous enough, though, I'll be honest with you. But we'll see. I think the hero's still bonkers. Um, 
And outside of that, Lifestealer was the other really bad hero together with OD, and Lifestealer got three base damage and a bit of a buff to Feast. I don't think that's enough, but we'll see. Maybe it's it's definitely going to make him... Maybe I know I play in very like low-level pubs. Lifestealer still feels pretty good to me. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but again, very low MMR at that stage. I don't know. I... I think it's just really matchup dependent, which maybe that's fine that Lifestealer is like that now. But, you know, in the past, you could play Lifestealer in the safe lane. You could play against some sort of ranged heroes. And with your support, you could actually go on them because you could open wounds. If your support had a slow, you could open wounds and then get on them. But now you literally only have Ghoul Frenzy. And that requires you to get in melee range and get a hit on them. And the slow is so much weaker than open wounds was. So a lot of the time, people can just create distance and get out. But you're missing it's the best thing about Lifestealer is when you're communicating to your team as you're approaching uh, a hero, like chasing them, you can just scream, I'm ghoul frenzying! I'm ghoul frenzying! <laughs> Maybe the worst name in the entire game of Dota, but it's fun to spam, no doubt about it. And, yeah, okay. All right, next topic, Cinder, in the DPC. Uh, a lot of the open qualifiers have been concluded. There's still some, I think a couple still going on for CIS and can't remember the others. We can just briefly discuss the teams that have gone on to the upper division. So EU has been solidified in addition to the direct invites, which were Liquid, OG, Team Secret, and Enigma. Uh, the teams that qualified are Viking, so good to see them there. Uh, Alliance, Mud Golems, and Chicken Fighters. Does any of this surprise you? Uh, not really. The, the eight teams that were in this qualifier, let's... I had to do a double take because this new DPC system is a little bit confusing. But just to break it down, we had four direct invites for Division 1. Then we had eight direct invites for a closed qualifier for Division 1 spots for the remaining four. And then we had an open qualifier for Division 2. So the open qualifiers have nothing to do with Division 1 this season because the people winning open qualifiers get into Division 2. And if you place high in Division 2, you can move up to Division 1 for the next season. Right. So the, the open qualifiers are very... And like, each region In is every region, different. the open qualifier teams, people just won't know. Because like, for the most part, there might be like one odd one out here or there, but for the most part, open qualifier teams, like all of the known teams are invited to the, to the closed ones. Right. Or decider, tournament, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so in EU, it was Alliance, Viking, Mud Golems, Chicken Fighters. Like you mentioned, those were the four that made it. And then the ones that didn't make it were Spider Pigs, which has some known uh, Balkan players and Thug from Greece. You have Brame, which had more known players from Greece, specifically Spartan and Skylark from old Adfinim. Thug from Adfinim and Spider Pigs. Hellbear Smashers was Misery's team with Ace Storm, Stormer, Gilgir, and Tofu. And then finally, we had Hippomaniacs, which we remember from tournaments of the past uh, those were yep. the four teams that did not make it so they're going to be in division two two yeah i think because yes. of that yes um, Correct. yeah and open qualifier teams i looked over who qualified i have no idea who these guys are they don't have liquipedia pages they just have names it's fine we uh, don't need to be mega thorough people can just look on liquipedia yeah. for this stuff we'll just gloss some over of the names of the players each region. Sure. Okay, Creep Wave. I'm actually familiar with pretty much all the players. It's mainly these open qualifier teams will mainly be very high MMR players that make stacks, right? Mm -hmm. Those are the teams that go through opens this time around. So you will know the players, but you will never have seen the team before because they just made it for the tournament. Right. So, okay. For China, uh, we talked about LGD, Ehome, Vici, and Elephant being the direct invites. The four teams that join them 
in the upper division are Team Aster, which is Monet and Lanham's team. Uh, team Magma, which I don't know any of these players, actually. Uh, LBZS, which is Zhao Fu. I think I've heard of him. <laughs> it's not Zhao 8, but pretty sure I've seen Zhao Fu play. And then IG is the last team. That's Kaka's team. Um, yeah. So those are those eight teams for the upper division. It's nice that it feels RNG, like China. RNG, Royal Never Give Up is lower. That's interesting. Yeah. It's it's just nice to see that China, it feels like, are getting more new talent, right? Like, that's one of the things we've, we've talked about with China in the past is that they're just recycling the same players over and over and over. And there's not enough of the new players really getting a breakthrough. Uh, but a team like Magma has a lot of new players. Uh, like you said, LBZS, a lot of new players. Uh, Aster, I think, have taken in one or two new names, like Borax, for example, unless it's an old player that renamed, which it is. That's Boboka. Never mind. Um, too bad. It could have Boboka. been a new player. But yeah. Anyway, Magma as well as LBZS are a lot of new players. Uh, we also had the success story of Sparking Arrow Gaming, who didn't make it out this time, but they've also had uh, one or two new names, I think. Their roster now looks more familiar. I think they've switched out some one or two new players for some older ones, but I believe SAG also had. I'm not going to lie. I Not I, too much into Chinese Dota, especially during COVID. I just haven't watched right. Chinese Dota. I'll just be honest. Uh, I pay okay, more attention to it when there's international competition because then it's more interesting for me because they get to play against the Western teams that I know a lot better. Um, but yeah, in isolation... It's not. Am I the only one that I'm thought it so was much. sparkling arrow gaming? Yes. Okay. It's sparking arrow gaming. Very interesting. Okay. Next region is SEA, the upper division. Uh, the ones that were already invited, of course, before all this were TNC, Fnatic, T1, and Boom Esports. The four teams that will be joining them are Neon Esports. 496 Gaming, Execration, that's an old-school Filipino team, and Vice Esports, looks like another Filipino team, actually. So there's the eight teams going to the SCA, and if we move on to CIS... Wait, hang on. I'm just a little confused here, because their close qualifiers has two stages. Cinder, I already told you this. Every region is slightly different. Right. Don't confuse yourself, okay? No, but how many teams are they going to have in Division One? Eight. You you mentioned the four that qualified, so they had no direct invites at all. No, they did. TNC, Fnatic, T1, and Boom. And then who coming week? out from the What's close qualifiers stage two for? Is that for the lower division? Oh, it is. Yeah. So their lower division is all based on close qualifiers. There's a lot of teams in SEA. The reason it's confusing is because every region is different yeah. in some way. Yeah. But they all had direct invites, so we're just. Yeah. Okay, CIS, okay. Uh, upper division, VP, Navi, Team Spirit, and Live to Win. Those were already uh, there from before. Joining them are Team Empire, No Techies, which is Crystallized and Solo's team. So they, so Solo made a new team uh, not too long ago. Yep. Uh, Extremum. I remember casting this team and having real issues saying their name. Uh, I can't remember what I used to call them, but that's G, G's team. And No Pangolier, uh, Ghostic. Being the most familiar and big them. So, any surprises yeah. here? I don't know how much CIS you've been watching, but uh... um, not really too surprising. I think maybe a lot of people were expecting Hellraisers to maybe make it based on the names. Um, 
That team had Nix, Kuman, Resolution, Lil, and Vanscore, but just didn't make the cut this time around. Uh, a lot of people cheering for Dendi's bait team. Uh, I believe they got kind of close, actually. They needed to beat Extremum to make it there, but they lost two games to zero, and the second game was like 70 minutes long. So definitely competitive, and they could have made it. <clears throat> Would have been great for all the Dendi fans if Dendi made it, but um, yeah, not this time either. Yeah, also so, some notable... I mean, not too surprising, really. Overall. Some other notable uh, lower division teams include Hellraisers, which has Resolution, both Resolution and Vanscore, um, and Cheshire Cat on Windstrike, as well as Spade. Yeah. Like, and Gambit, actually, is there as well. So actually a lot of good teams yeah. at CIS. Gambit's roster is very... How to say? It's been revamped a lot since what you remember. If you remember the Gambit yeah. with FNG, obviously yeah, they were FNG really now playing for Alliance. Um the only remaining member from that version of Gambit is Excess Vampire. Uh, the rest of the roster has been shuffled up. So they have, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing this correctly, Khani and Lorenoff, Blizzy, and Aina. Aina people might remember a little bit. And Blizzy, I guess some people will remember from Navi in the past and other teams. But yeah, Gambit also not too hot here. Uh, I believe they got dead last. I don't know if they won a game, but they did not. They got 2-0 twice. Okay, North America. Uh, direct invites for Quincy Crew, EG, Four Zoomers, and Sad Boys, as we talked about last week. Joining them are Undying, which is Tomato and Moon Meander, Dubu, a lot of Brile, uh, Brile, I don't, I don't, and Saberlight, who is 11k MMR in Europe. Yeah, I mean, we can list all their. I guess maybe for NA specifically, we should just list the entire lineup if they're yeah. notable names. Also, Black and Yellow, which is Rioya and Flea and Jubei. Those are the three that I've definitely heard of. I don't know the other two. Zero and Yamson. I don't know if it's players who renamed. Uh, it doesn't look like it. Don't Five Man Midas. I have not heard of any of these players. Lies, RRL, Monster, Eichster, and Shu. I know and, Shu. He's played some EU pubs. That's and a to-be-determined slot uh, that is not quite complete yet that will be the winner of dog champ and aristotle and dog champ has lukey lukey which a lot of people will know probably for his pangolier and Indeed. bloody nine i think those are the two mainly known players from that team and aristotle has uh actually a german player interesting and which flag is this uruguay wow i don't think i've i don't think i've ever seen a pro from that region from that country have i don't think so. Does any? Do you remember any pro player from Uruguay? No. Or I mean, I don't. I don't know if you would call it pro if you. I guess if you made the out of the close qualifier, that could kind of place it as a pro player. Like whatever you want to define that as is irrelevant. That's cool though. Representation there. That's yep. uh That's a New rare country to see on this on this sheet. Bring them in. Uh, notable lower division team, Arkosh Gaming. With the infamous roster of Pale Horse, Canis Vulpus, Gremlo, Crow, and Goat. I don't know the. I was talking to my chat about this. Uh, Canis Vulpus is the werewolf. I'm just trying to remember all this. Gremlo is like the gremlin looking guy, best character, by the way. Crow is the guy with the plague mask. Goat is a goat, which is, you know, a lot of satanic things around that. Lore, I should say. Pale Horse. So I didn't know what this was even in reference to. I have no idea. I was told that death is supposed when he's 
don't know what the fucking lore is, but when Death comes in, he's riding a pale horse. So oh. that apparently is the the lore behind that, in case you guys were wondering. Uh, we'll get to some news about them in just a moment as well. And then the last region is South America. SGE Sports, Thunder Predator, Infamous, and Beast Coast were the original invites. Joining them are Omega Gaming with Matthew. I recognize that name. Team Unknown. Don't recognize anybody on this. Ego Boys. Same. And is it Latam Defenders? Don't recognize any of these names either. So those are all the teams. There's a lot of players I've never heard of here. Uh, Also not too much into SA Dota. So like maybe some of these players are more known than they are to me. Probably. But yeah, the only player that stood out to me was actually Matthew in this list. So. And that are those are all the teams for upper division, and some of which we mentioned for lower division. Uh, the actual DPC will begin, in case you forgot, January 18th. So not too far away now. Getting closer and closer. Good luck to all the teams, except for Arkosh. Okay, so next up, Cinderin, uh Demon. Didn't think we'd be talking about him again, but... I'm going to read a tweet from the NADPC League Twitter, which is, I believe, is it, isn't it just run by BTS? I'm not 100% sure. I think but, so, yeah. Uh, they so. wrote, Player Jimmy Demon Ho has been banned from participating in the DPC due to misconduct at previous Dota 2 tournaments. Team Aristotle can continue to compete in NADPC League and will be permitted, permitted to register a replacement player. So if I'm not mistaken, this was done like in the middle of the tournament, in the middle of the open qualifiers, or one of the qualifiers at least, which prompted some tweets from PPD, who I'm just going to read it as it's listed. This is so fucked up. Sad shit from BTS. Sorry this is happening to you, Jimmy. And then Gods promptly responded with, I have to disagree, Peter. We achieved... Uh, sorry, we received information that was substantiated when we banned Demon from BTS events last year. I understand not everyone has the same access to this information in order to protect the anonymity of the victim, but I personally support the ban ban from Valve events. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, I don't don't know. Like, whatever information they have is obviously, like you said, it's kept private for victim protection reasons. Um, But yeah, I I mean, I trust it, right? There's not... I don't know what... There's much to say. We, We covered this whole debacle how long ago was that by now all of these cases months ago um so i guess my question is why is this happening now yeah that's the good question is why does it get this far um has valve i'm trying to think were there any other players involved in this or accused in the the whole movement we had going i don't think it was players it was only talent right except demon so i guess there was nobody else that you would have had how to say this sets the precedent right and usually with this kind of stuff like you could have said back then valve could have just chosen to ban him from future dpc events or whatever they could have either chosen not to back then for reasons of there wasn't enough evidence or they wanted more time or something, or uh, they just didn't think about it. They were like, this is playing out. We're not like, did valve actively valve didn't actively make a post or take a stance on any of the cases. I think at all, um, it was the community itself that sorted it out. Um, 
But this time, I guess they felt like they had to take a stance because this time it's in a tournament that involves them. You could say all the talent stuff, they could just choose not to invite the talent, right? Like if it's their tournament, they can just decide not to. So that's pretty simple and straightforward. But for tournaments, in theory, anyone is allowed to play as long as they don't cheat. So this is kind of a, a special thing in a way. Um, but why didn't they do it in advance? I don't know. Maybe they thought he wasn't going to play. Maybe they were surprised and they were like, well, but you know, it's still, it still mm. sucks that he gets into the tournament, starts playing, and then gets banned. Like, rather do it in advance. Right. right. I, I should sure also finish. I was trying to find this tweet as you were talking because I knew Peter tweeted something in reply again. I just had a hard time finding it. But he replied to God's tweet with, Thanks for stepping in here. I had no information other than what was publicly posted anonymously and didn't realize there was more evidence brought forward behind closed doors. So. That's I mean, that was the case for some of the other stuff too. I mean, we did talk about it back then, but I think it's good to clarify yeah. that I think a lot of the community and a lot of fans expect that everything they read is everything there is, but it isn't. And that's not just about this stuff. It's about tournament structure, it's about team internal drama, team decisions, whatever it is. Like some stuff gets public and some doesn't. There's a lot of stuff that has happened in the Dota scene that people don't know about. I'm sure a lot of players have like really interesting stories that they don't share for whatever reason. Could be about bad team experiences or drama or whatever. You don't know this. So you kind of, you know, you become a fan of a player, you make up your own narrative about them, but there's stuff you don't know about everyone. Um, and I think the most important thing is that the fans, that you're not entitled to knowing everything. In a case like this, it's more important that the victim is protected, right? Than that we get told everything. And it wasn't just in this case, it was in some of the other ones as well from months back that stuff was shared with the people that needed to know it privately because a lot of the times victims don't want to become lightning rods for angry people mm -hmm. from the community, right? So mm -hmm. I think that's totally understandable and people just kind of just need to accept that, that you don't get told everything. Um, and that goes for anything, right? Like whatever you follow, whatever you're into, there will be information that's withheld from you. Um. Yeah, that's how it is. Yep, couldn't agree more. I I, I know it. We I ha, bleh, we had to talk about this, but I feel like it's pretty clear cut uh, what our opinions would have been to begin with. Anyway, um, it's just yeah. I guess the only real talking point is why Valve waited so long. Which yeah, we'll never. And get I can't. To I don't. I don't know. I personally, I think we're pretty much in agreement here. If you're going to prevent a player or lock him out from playing a tournament, do it before it starts. Like, don't let them start playing. That's just, right. you know, yeah, it's just poor. It's in poor taste. I don't think it, I don't think it was done deliberately. I don't think they were like, I oh, will let demon play some games. And then if they get far, we'll ban, we'll ban him. And if they lose, it's whatever, you know, then he's just out. Like, <laughs> that come would, on. Yeah. I that mean, there's, be, like, I think we can really agree that that's not one of the scenarios. That's unlikely. The most likely scenario is that Valve was just lazy and just never did it. Like, that's the one I fully believe, but who knows? Okay, next topic is a tweet storm, which we're not going to read all of them, uh, between Moon Meander, Slacks, and of course, eventually jumping in as always is Noxville. <laughs> uh, mm. So Moon originally tweeted this. If Valve allows smurfing in NADPC, aka Arkosh Gaming, what does this say to the community as a whole? Smurfing is fine in all brackets. We don't address it even in our DPC league. Imagine if a bunch of NBA players suddenly showed up in masks to play against Warriors. Okay, so before I go on, like 
actually talk about the tweet. I actually don't understand the reference. Because is he talking about the Warriors, the NBA team, Cinderin? Yeah. Or is there another Warriors? I'm... I am assuming he means Golden State Warriors. Where so if he... you show up in masks as Smurfs, you're probably going to get fucking destroyed. But, but it's just, so maybe imagine, the analogy wasn't that good. Imagine if a bunch of... I don't want to... I know I'm harping on something. It's, it's NBA related and it bothers me that it doesn't make any sense. Imagine if a bunch of NBA players suddenly showed up in masks to play against the Warriors. What the fuck does that mean? The Warriors are in the NBA, and they're playing other NBA players. That's what doesn't make any sense. Yeah, his point is that Arkosh Gaming are... <clears throat> you don't know who the players are. So it's like if they play in the high level of DPC, it's like masked players showing up to play in the league in, oh, in basketball, right? Okay, okay. Because so their it's just identities like a random are roster. unknown. Okay, yeah. thank the you The thing for about this reference that's maybe a little bit off is that it... It makes it sound like Arkosh are smurfing and will destroy the Warriors, which, you know, like if you show up as a masked team that you don't know who are, you, they're probably not as good as, you know, the really it's good funny. teams. I actually you, read I, it. You get the idea. I actually read it the other way. I thought he was dissing the Warriors because they're so bad. They don't deserve to be in the NBA right now. But then I'm like, <laughs> they're actually, they're doing okay, surprisingly. Right. Okay. Anyway, I guess this so, reference was really easy for me to understand because I don't know <laughs> shit about basketball. Yeah, so. that's probably for the best. <laughs> anyway, Slacks responded with, happened to openly discuss this with you. Your position is understandable. If the members of the NBA players were currently in the league but pretending to be other people so they could play in the league twice, but this isn't the case here. Do you believe that all pro players should be banned from having non-tournament accounts and or private profiles? The Arkosh roster will always be the same players, easily verified by IP addresses, which means, like any pros, yourself included, all pro match data is public. So then I'm just going to read this last reply from uh, Knoxville, and then we'll just dissect, okay? Even though there's a lot more. So Knoxville tweets back, If you believe it's fair, then why do Arkosh get to play games where they have access to other people's competitive history, but their opponents don't get that from Arkosh players? Pro players having alts are attempts to hide private practice data, not public data. So this brings up a couple interesting points. Mm -hmm. I mean, what are your initial reactions, I guess, to this this topic? Because for those that don't know, Arkosh, these are real players. They're not playing on different teams that are yeah. part of this roster. It's the same people playing every time. And it is verifiable by IP address, which if you're a tournament organizer, is kind of annoying. I understand. But I mean, my initial reaction is, eh, it's tier two scene Dota, which needs all the help it can get. And Arkosh Gaming is, I mean, obviously I'm very biased in this, but it's a brilliant idea, I think, that could make a huge splash eventually. Uh, to, I mean, like from Moomiander's perspective, it doesn't make sense to complain about this because it's helping him, in theory, to get eyes on the Tier 2 scene. That's mm -hmm. the way that I look at it, at least. Um, I mean, yes and no. Like, it could indirectly be helping your scene, but you don't like the concept of it. So then you can still, you know, you could be the beneficiary of something that you don't like. Mm -hmm. That's entirely possible. And I think it's very admirable if there's something, even if you benefit from it, if there's something that doesn't feel right to you, that you still stand up against it. So I can totally understand that perspective of if he thinks conceptually this is bad, then he will speak against it. Um, mm -hmm. About the teams, yeah, so... So I think Knoxville brings up a really good point, right? The public data is there. So all the tournament games that get played. But a lot of the times, the way teams can prepare against each other, especially in lower tier games, is players that have, let's say, limited hero pools or more defined play styles. 
if you know who the players on Arkash are, you suddenly don't just have the public data from these accounts. You have all of the public history from their mains, which mm -hmm. is there might be a player in the team that has a shitload of games on like four carries and plays almost nothing else. Then obviously this gives you information that you can use in drafting because it's overwhelmingly more likely that the heroes that they've played the most on their mains are probably the heroes they're best at, right? For example. So... Um, or you have tournament history that they used to play, which is even more important, probably. If they played on other teams in the past under their mains, then <clears throat> you will see how they adapted to specific drafting situations or what did they play in this meta or blah, 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 whatever. You get the idea. That is withheld. So I think that's the key discussion here is, is it fair? Let's say, let's try to put, the, put it on edge, okay? Let's try to make this an... Uh, blow it up to make it more maybe more obvious how this could be problematic let's say all of secret um somehow secret disbands and nothing is told about the players anymore they just disappear and now suddenly a team two months from now appears that is called team obvious and that team <laughs> is all five secret players but you don't know mm -hmm. right and they start playing and this team just starts destroying in EU and nobody knows who they are. And people are like, okay, what the fuck is going on here? So they obviously know it's like really good players, but you don't know who it is. Mm -hmm. um, my case is probably pretty stupid because you're, you know, the name is kind of leading it on, but you get the idea. You don't know who they are. Do you think that would be a problem? Because like, I, I mean, I get what you're saying. Like, oh, it's just tier two and a Dota. They need exposure, et cetera, et cetera. But this is like, I think this is more of a fundamental thing where... I don't know, either your ideology is, yeah, it's fine. You can play and you don't need to know who they are or you know. Right, look at and it this way. It's irrelevant to me whether it's Division 2 or Division 1, to be honest. It could be the best team in the world or some right. random since, Tier 3 team. Like either we're, well, two things. First, uh, Moon Meander ended up retweeting something from Slacks that was basically saying he's trying to help the Tier 2 scene, blah, blah, blah. So it doesn't sound like Moon is like super mad about this, but I thought it was mm -hmm. be an interesting topic anyway. But let's stick with the NBA reference, right? Uh in theory, this would actually be equivalent. So think of it this way. How do you scout for other players, other teams, when you're facing them in the NBA? You watch their official games. Mm -hmm. It's not like you can look at the practice facility and look at, their, look at them practicing, see their sets, see how they work out individually. Now, the NFL, some teams like the Patriots have gotten fucked because of this. And baseball, mm -hmm. I think, has had some similar things in the past in addition to a lot of other drama. But generally speaking, you can't scout or look up videos or in-depth analysis or whatever you want to use, any media, to look at you know, potential scouting for another team other than official games. That's the main you, source. You which, can look at history, though, right? History of them on other teams. Yes. Right. So if they've been traded or For something example. like that, sure. Exactly. You can look at how they played in other teams. And I, again, the, the I mean, basketball reference, I, I know I'm interrupting here, but like basketball is different, right? Like, I don't think, I don't think the analogy holds up completely because I think in Dota and the way the game works, there is more, how to say, like, let's say, let's say you've played for a team in basketball and now you switch to another team and it's been six months. I think the history has more value in Dota than it does in basketball, if that makes sense, because of the complexity and the depth of all the stuff you can play and what you can do in drafting and all this mm -hmm. stuff compared no, to I basketball. Agree. I think it's, I get what you're saying, but I don't think it's a one-to-one -one here. Well, I, I don't think it's a one-to-one. -one. I'm just making the comparison because the NBA 
was brought up as a literal comparison in this tweet, right? So that's what mm-hmm. that's the reason right. I bring okay. it up. Yeah. But I mean, I understand and I don't know. I don't know how I feel. It I feel like if you're playing enough matches, it shouldn't really matter that much. Over and... time it's diminishing, of course. But right yes. in the start, you have a relatively major advantage from anonymity. I, I think so, <clears throat> at least. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say it turns out the five players on Arkosh are known players that in the NA region, a lot of the other NA players know very well, but they've concealed this identity super well, then they could have definitely drafted better against the team from just knowing who's playing there. Because even if, like, even if they have access to the public information about games that were played, the matches... Uh, their players probably have, you know, lots of experience playing pubs. The NA community in the higher levels is pretty small compared to other regions. So mm-hmm. everybody kind of known, knows each other's deal pretty well with hero pool, play style, etc. Um, so there's two aspects, I would, I would though, think, right? Would there's the so. play history of their pubs individually, and then mm-hmm. there's their history on other teams. Yes, correct. So yeah. the other teams thing is lost no matter what. Like, there's no way you can do that. But I feel like, like, Team Secret, as an example, I'll go back to that. For the player, the actual players, it's in their best interest to try newer heroes, newer builds on alt accounts that people don't know are alt accounts. That's literally the main purpose for a lot of these teams. If they're not doing that, which I know a lot of them do not, it's not technically as efficient as it could be, right? It's hurting mm-hmm. them, technically, even if it's to a small degree. Yeah. So I feel like that is kind of on other players to if they're going to reveal that information that that's up to them essentially where in this case it's not really a thing right mm-hmm. does that make sense what i'm trying to say i'm not doing a very very good job being eloquent here. i guess but. it's about who the burden is on right yeah so yeah, yeah. It, it does make sense but it's an interesting topic nonetheless yeah uh, i don't know i i haven't i haven't really thought about this going into today's podcast to be honest i feel like it's a bit weird and a bit different because i can honestly just see both sides of it right like one is like this is what makes our team special it brings a lot of attention to the like this n- this is easily the tier two team in na that most people care about ever i think mm-hmm Arkosh. There's like nothing that's even come close. So like hold the the mystique and the mystery is really what drives a lot of the viewership <clears> and the hype around the team. So if you take that away, they're quote unquote just another team, right? So this is really mm-hmm. special. And it's their identity and this kind of like this MMA inspired of whatever you want to call it. Uh, <laughs> MMA. <laughs> WWE. That the wrong word? WWE. Sorry. Yeah. I'm not very much into that. WWE. Yes. Inspired. You're not into like, the... Whole... I'm shocked you're not into WWE. Yeah. Really I <laughs> would have thought. Um <laughs> So, so I can definitely see that part of it. And they're not breaking any rules here, right? Let's be clear about this because the rules aren't defined. And that's kind of what Moon Meander is calling on is that should we right. have rules for this or not? So just to be clear, uh, there's nothing Arkosh is doing that is against the rules. And therefore, it's kind of just about, okay, do we think... I get like if you start opening this can of worms, like that's the other thing. If you start opening this can of worms, should we have limitations on how pro players can practice too? Because that's exactly what you said. The burden is on the pros to play all their new strategies on Smurfs and pubs to just practice, and nobody knows what they're practicing. Um, Which they do or, for the most part. Yeah, a lot of pros definitely do. And then they might play some of it on their mains or practice other obvious stuff on their mains or whatever. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. I think Nisha's first Meepo game in an official match, he had very few games on his main, if any. Mm-hmm. So nobody could have seen it coming. And then he just plays an amazing Meepo suddenly. Like, what the fuck, you know? Yeah, it's like a blink uh, reveal in-game, so, right? But yeah. outside of yeah. it, kind of. I don't know. It. I, I feel like it's an interest. I don't know if it's gotten to a point where Valve or anybody else really needs to step in. As long as the organizers know the, who the players are, and obviously it could get leaked, mm-hmm. uh, as long as they can verify that they are actually playing and it's not like it would be a real problem if you can't verify who's playing. Obviously, that's an issue, right? But because okay, you can verify, question. it's not a big issue in my opinion. Do you think hypothetically, like the secret example, do you think hypothetically if this was like a top tier competitor in Europe, yeah, that the treatment would be different? I think the case. What do you mean by treatment? If if there was a, a team of mysterious there would be more drama. Aliases. It. It'd be a bigger story that were sure. qualifying to the European uh, to the European Division One. Like, let's say there's a mystery team that just suddenly shows up and kicks everyone's ass, and nobody knows who they are, and they're in Europe Division One. Do you think people would treat it differently? But here's like, you know, it's Division Two and A. We're just letting it slide. It's fun. It's different. Um, do you think so? Or it's a good question. It would definitely be a bigger story. That's mm-hmm. obvious. Of course. I don't know. I don't know. That's a really good... I don't know. I wonder what other people think. I mean, that team would be hyped as fuck, though, right? It For would sure. be. Like, who yeah. are these guys that are... Yeah. No, that's that would be awesome. Maybe Arkosh can get there someday. Maybe they'll win the lower division, and we'll see them <laughs> next season in upper division. Who knows, Cinderin? Yeah. And actually, okay. you know what? There's a final <clears throat> thing here. Sorry, mm-hmm. I just had this thought. Because this is a theory that's been... Like, something that people have thought about and been a bit scared of in the past. Okay, this this is a little bit conspiracy theory, but imagine this. Mm. Imagine you're a team that has already been directly invited to a tournament that there's a qualifier for. What if you took your players and played on five Smurfs in the qualifier, and your goal was to knock out the strongest competition in the qualifier? Know what I mean? Yeah. I think if players are cases, allowed to play on unidentifiable accounts and they can just play with whatever names they want. As long as it's their accounts, they're signed up, they play on these accounts every game. You could technically have five players from Secret smurf the open qualifiers, knock out the strongest competition, and then forfeit. Right. You could do that. And I think in most like in a normal game of Dota, the admins are not going to look up your IP. They're not going to really have that information, right? It's obviously against the rules, right? Because you're playing... It is against the you're, rules, but you if you're not play the qualifiers out, for a tournament, you're in. Right. But you don't have the same protection against it if people are allowed to play I mean, on alternative they, IDs. Just think of the that scenario. Like, how would they even fix? Like, let's say it's found out after the the qualifiers. What do you do? Do you replay the entire qualifiers? Do you give everybody <laughs> that played them? Like, what if you beat the really good team in the first round? Exactly. Then they're probably That's fucked the no matter problem. what, unless you restart the entire thing. But yeah, in this case, that it's not a fair comparison because no, from what I've been told no, no. that. The IPs are verifiable. Um, right, of course. Like that's that's the thing here. Like I'm not saying there's any cheating going on. I just want to clarify that. It's more that this is a an issue that you can have by letting players play on alternative IDs. But at the same time, I mean my example is bad. Because let's say five top players did that in Europe and they don't get verified, then I mean that's the step that failed, well, right? You they could, should have been you can also flip it around and have known accounts verified accounts for a lesser known or a lesser player being used by a tier one player right 
In theory, that's, yeah, that's kind true. of the same. If thing. you don't IP check, somebody else could be playing. Yeah, that's true. There's also so that the risk, same of idea. course. Yeah. Okay. Next thing on the list, Cinderin, uh, PogChamp was banned, kind of. So Twitch made this tweet. We've made the decision to remove the PogChamp emote following statements from the face of the emote. <laughs> All right. I got to get Interesting wording. Yeah. yeah. The face of the emote encouraging further violence after what took place in the Capitol today. <clears throat> we want the that sentiment. Was on January 7th. Yes. We want the sentiment and use of Pog. To, I can't we're talking about a fucking emote. We want the sentiment and use of Pog to live on. Its meaning is much bigger than the person depicted on the image itself, and it has a big place in Twitch culture. However, we can't in good conscience continue to enable use of this image. We will work with the community to design a new emote for the most hype moments on Twitch. So before I go any further, just to make sure there's no ambiguation or amb ambiguity between my opinion or whatever. Obviously, they should have done this 100%. I, I looked at the guy's Twitter. The guy's literally insane. He's an anti-vaxxer. Fuck him. You can't like get into the, <laughs> we're getting to this point of life where if you have an opinion, quote unquote, that is literally dangerous and you're just, oh, it makes me so angry at the anti-vaxxers. Fuck him. Get rid of his goddamn face. The guy's literally insane. Be done with it. I'm sure he wasn't getting anything for the emote anyway. I don't think he probably made any monetary or financial no idea. shit on that. Anyway, so they're replacing it, Cinderin, and Day9 made a a suggestion that they what have was the suggestion. That it was kind of implemented, right? I can't I no, didn't say this. The tweet. exact thing he suggested, I think. He so, okay, let's look it up. Okay. I'll Day just say nine. what I remember. So I remember Day 9's suggestion being that streamers could have or submit or their version of pogs that they have as their own version in their stream should just be cycled and you get a new one every day. And that's exactly what's happening right now, right? But I think you might need to manually submit your version. Like, let's say I have a pog emote, for example, in my channel. If I don't submit it and say to Twitch specifically, I would like mine to be considered to be PogChamp one day, then they will not choose it. I think you need, you know. Okay. So Day9's tweet was, his suggestion was, um, yeah, basically what you said. A bunch of streamers put their faces in and it gets selected at random. So what did Twitch actually do? It's slightly different. They though. are. They, said, they changed the PogChamp every 24 hours. To what though? To another one from the pool of people that have submitted their PogChamps. Oh, people actually submitted. Okay. I'm assuming people submit. If if my chan if my face is suddenly PogChamp one day, I'm gonna sue Twitch because I didn't give them permission. <laughs> so that's oh, yeah, my that's my claim to riches. That's how I'm gonna retire. Is that I become PogChamp one day? I'm gonna fucking destroy them. Right. Okay, so that's... I'm, assu uh, I'm assuming that's... I haven't seen a form where you submit your PogChamp. I don't know, but I'm guessing that's what it is. I don't think they just randomly go through everyone's emotes on Twitch and they're just like, oh, this one could be a PogChamp, so let's just use that one today. Right. Uh, well, either way, what, what do you think of the idea? I think it's really cool. It changes everything. I like day. it a lot. I think it's fun. Yeah, I think it's a lot of fun. It gives more of a... His suggestion was more like... Makes it feel like more of a crowd... Uh, his was a little different, though, because I think he meant each time somebody types, it's a random one of X amount. Oh, right? I see. So every this time one is just one, one globally okay. every day, which, yeah. you know, both are cool in their own right. Yeah. Um, I like it. I what do you think if... of the idea of it, though? Like the fact that this guy gets banned. Like, I hate the... All right, I'm not going to go on a tangent here, guys. The idea of free speech, right? There's consequences. Mm -hmm. You don't get to say whatever you want with no consequences. You, you can say whatever you want. You're not going to get jailed for saying what you want in most cases. But if it's something that can be 
directly, I don't want to get political. You can look at something and say, this can incite violence, or this can be looked at in a way that will educate people in the wrong way to be stupid idiots, then yeah, a private is... company can censor it. It's a private fucking company. They can do whatever the hell they want. A restaurant can choose not to serve somebody because they're not wearing yeah. shoes or whatever the fuck they want. So Yeah, like picture no this. You're a, you're a customer. You come in, you enter a restaurant, and you just go in there and you just enter the door, and the first thing you do is you just start yelling the N-word. And you just keep yelling it. And they're like, sir, please leave the restaurant. And you're like, nope. <laughs> This is a country of free speech. Please give me my chicken tendies. Uh, you know, like, I mean, what did you expect? <laughs> oh, America, America. It's like, so accurate. Okay. The, 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 the problem with it is that people, it's just, they think free speech is binary. It just isn't. Like, you can't just, it's like, if something is free, you can do whatever you want. I, maybe we should rename it. Like maybe the term should be called something else, so it's not misleading for people. It's only like misleading. I can because... say everything I want. Like, but I don't know what else you would call it. That's the problem. Like, how do you encapsulate what it really means? Center that you end. can say almost anything you want, but you can't say stuff that deliberately hurts people or gets people, or like enables other people to get violent and break laws. Center, I, there are people in the world that believe the Earth is flat. It doesn't matter sometimes what you do or what terminology you, they're, they're going to be wrong just to be wrong because they want to be wrong. Apparently it's just, it's idiocy at its best. It, it's a plague amongst humanity. Uh, I don't know what else yeah. to say, but, but yeah, we're going to get new pog, uh, champ emotes every day. Should be fun. <laughs> Great transition. <laughs> yep. Well, that's good. Uh, all right. God help us all. Uh, all right. Good luck. Uh, one of the final top or the final topic before we got into the questions from our Patreon. Riot and Bungie apparently have been teaming up to sue cheat makers for both Valorant and Destiny 2. So this is something I they've done uh actually Riot has done this in the past, and they won ten million dollars from a lawsuit against League of Legends scripting site, League Sharp. So they've done it before. And along with a $10 million payout for that specific instance and the ban on the software's distribution, Riot also gained control of all League Sharp-related sites as part of the settlement, with the company declaring that it had finished operations back on February 28th. Riot can now stem the flow of these scripts. Yo, so that's pretty Shannon, fun. you're a cool. game developer. Listen up. You're a game developer, okay? Yeah. You're a game developer, and you make it like an indie game. You're not a huge game company. You make an indie game, and you deliberately make a loophole where people can make a cheat. <laughs> and then you sue them and quadruple the profits of your game. I'm fine with that. That's, that's big brain. That's, that's I am it. more than fine with that. I, I, wonder, I wonder how much... I would actually be really curious to hear about this lawsuit, like how it went down, like how you have this lawsuit, how you prove, and how this... Because to me, this is kind of a very unexplored territory. I haven't really heard about this before, but like you said, Leak has done it before one time. But most times, I don't remember it, Valve ever suing, at least hearing about it, that is, uh, Valve suing well, cheats. They just that's... improved their anti-cheat, right? But have they done that? Do you think Valve would even announce it, though? Let's say they did it. Would yeah, they have announced probably it? would. No, they probably wouldn't. You're right. They probably have a different approach to this. And I think there's pros and cons to making it public, right? What are the cons? Um, the pros are other people are too scared to do it now because it might get fucked financially. Other people are, are scared. It looks like your company really cares about its consumers. You know, Good you're PR. trying to yeah. make the game better. Yeah, exactly. 
uh, I guess the cons is that you're drawing more attention to cheating as an option in general, right? The fact that it is there. Um, obviously, for the specific mm -hmm. game that you struck down on that hard, maybe not. But for other titles and in general, you could say that any exposure for cheating is bad exposure for the games, right? Like you just want people to not even think about it. There's got to be more to but, it, though, I mean, because I feel like that's of, pretty lopsided that's in of favor of the pro, right? Yeah, in my opinion, at least. I think so too. Yeah. So I don't know. But yeah, that's cool. It's interesting. I mean, that that's the difference between that's one thing that's come about in the last few years that wasn't as much a thing back in the day. Uh, now that cheating cheat makers have become more established, they're almost like their own companies, right? In some cases, yeah. they literally are ent like actual public company or not public but <laughs> public company listed on the stock or whatever they have free speech they can make whatever cheat they want but it's actually hurting them now to be more established as opposed to just some random scripter right right but you probably also need because these companies have developed a lot more in terms of anti-cheating you probably need more manpower and more like deliberate work to on right. average cheat a game probably i guess yep so no doubt okay so that is the news of the week. Let's get on to our Patreon mailbag where we have a double question from Mr. Blackbird93. Question number one, what do you think about the names of the teams in competitive Dota? What is your favorite and least favorite name? How do you think the names have changed since the times of early Dota 1, and what is the most creative name? Uh, I did not spend too much time thinking about this, unfortunately. The Honey Badgers... Great name, Cinderin, from back in the day. Wild Honey Badgers. Yeah, or that was wild, a I like yeah, that name. Wild Honey that Badgers. I think. What did you think about the shit? <laughs> the shit was quite bad. I mean, that's one thing, right? If you go back, nobody really <laughs> cared so too much. Some stupid team names. <laughs> Steak Gaming. Like, what the fuck, man? That was funny. Making though. me hungry. But yeah, right. the names have become a little bit more vanilla, right? Because sponsorship mm -hmm. is a thing. And yeah. I think that's kind of hurt. Uh, like I was talking about this from my own experience with, uh, I was going to say PC because that's an old team I used to have, but DC, the team, Digital Chaos, It's even though it's a cringy name, uh, it's more vanilla, right? And if you go to sponsors, mm -hmm. it's going to be more receptive than what I originally wanted, which is Dinosaur Commandos. And it was going to be very, like I wanted it to be super cartoony and hilarious and stupid. Like that's what I wanted. Mm -hmm. But... And I do think there is a place for that type of... I think there's more space than there used to be, actually, because there's so there's so little of that type of name out there. There are not as many unique names. But in terms of like Dota names that are good and bad, like it's always the teams that are like not sponsored, I feel like, in most cases. Yeah. Would you agree with that? I'm trying to think of a really bad one. A really bad been established? Some... No, just in general. There's been some bad ones. I'm trying to... I feel like there was a really bad Chinese team name at one point, and there's been some European ones that are pretty bad. I mean, in a in a way, like I don't know. I mean, it's it's identifiable, but it's kind of very uninspired to just have your teams be called No and then the hero name. Like, <laughs> but it's still we had funny. no Tidehunter. We had no yeah. Tidehunter, and now there's just like no Techies, no Pangolier, no whatever. And then you have teams that are literally named after jungle creeps like Hellbear Smashers and mud golems or like maybe you can so i think we should, not, I we should not include teams that aren't fully sponsored because obviously okay. they're going to come up with whatever they want so i mean when i mention these names you guys are going to think i'm crazy i'm not saying i dislike them necessarily but mm -hmm. i find it interesting this is turning into a different answer to these questions but think about this okay. 
I've talked about Evil Geniuses many times. The reason that's a really yeah. I don't think it's a good name at all, actually. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter right, because it's so established. It doesn't matter right. what the name is unless it's like racist, like another team in uh, our borderline racist. I guess you could say. Uh, OG. It literally has no meaning. It's two letters. That's a name of a team. That's crazy to me. I think that's really cool. Um, but Nigma would be the worst name by far in Dota. I think it's no... I mean, we talked about this when it first came out. I said mm -hmm. I'd be shocked if any Western sponsors would sponsor... They have zero sponsors as far as I'm aware. So I can't say I'm surprised. sure about that. I mean, I checked like yeah. a couple of weeks ago on their website. They have no sponsors, according to that. It's also, so. it's going to depend on, it depends on the perspective, right? Like, it's obvious. We don't need to explain why there's problems to this name. But there's also, they obviously have some pride in the name itself and what it represents for uh, for the Middle Eastern countries. So mm -hmm. it's, just a, it's just really unfortunate. And we've talked about this. Like, then, okay, should you double down on it and be like, this is our name? Or do you, do you think, okay, you know there's a problem here that it could be construed as the N-word. We just take a safer route. And I honestly kind of admire that they went with what they wanted. And they, I mean, there's no way none of them thought about it, right? When they made this name. Of course you think about it. But then you're like, we don't care. This is what we want to be. Mm. And then you can disagree or agree with that decision. Like, you can think it's a bad decision business-wise. You can think it's a bad decision, uh, how you, to say, um, community-wise really or whatever. you confident when you say they didn't think. I don't think they thought about it. I actually don't like, think they thought about it, man. I really don't. It, I'll admit, like, in it's more taboo of a thing in like America specifically. It's like the literal yeah. worst word you can use, right? So it's going to be obviously looked at a little bit more harshly. But I, it's it's so bad. It's really really bad. I actually, I'm not going to lie. I cringe every time I have to cast because I'm scared. I'm literally scared. It's happening. That is honestly, that is probably the biggest problem. Is that the the there's like the the risk of it being said incorrectly right during broadcasting or during interviews or whatever that it puts the people the people talking about their team at risk of having a slip up and it has happened in dota already to a couple of people and more you know, most of the time people just yeah most of the time people just laugh it off right and it makes a funny clip or whatever but that's not really what you want the attention to be drawn for your team for right you want the attention right. for your team to be about your plays and about your players and the cool stuff that happens not about the name itself so i mean i, I completely understand and i agree with you and i think you know to an extent, they could have gone for a different route. Like they could have called their team Najima, for example, like we've talked about, which also, Nijima. but it's like it, or I think it's Najima, but, right? N-A-J-I-M-A, -A, which also means star, but it's a different, like it's a different dialect. And then you don't have the, obviously the relation to Enigma, which makes it more Dota themed. The, the name is actually like, if it wasn't for the link to the N-word, then it's a really nice name. It's got the link into yeah. Enigma. It's got the link into Najima at the same time. I think it's a very creative and cool name. It's just a really unfortunate side effect. And then you need to choose, is that worth it or not? Um, and they've chosen that it's worth it. And I mean, I think that's okay. It's just, yeah, it's unfortunate, right? That's what yes, it is. Unfortunate would be a better team name. I agree. Um, <laughs> so the What's the best one, though? <laughs> What's the best team name? Like the current Dota? You can't, you, just in sponsor. general. In Dota, in Dota history of like big orgs or whatever in Dota. I couldn't think of one. I sh I'm sure there there has to be one. Oh, I actually really do like this name. 
I wish it was a little bit different, but Beast Coast, I think, is a really cool name. Actually. Beast Coast is nice. Yeah, that's I like a good that name. name a lot. I agree. I remember. What do you think about Navi? It's Latin for born to win. Yeah, it. So it, like Navi is one of those where it's very iconic, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're just like if they just announced that that was a new team name today and there was no history behind it, I would be like, that's pretty try hard because I've. Believe me, I've tried very hard to come up with team names before, not just for my mm. Dota team, but for all the competitive teams that I've had in the past. It, <laughs> I'm really bad at it. But when you get into like, oh, let's do Latin, like that's pretty yeah. crunchy, honestly. What about uh, what about Invictus? I mean, I guess that's Latin too, right? Invictus Gaming. IG. I mean, it's, yeah, like I I like the name, but again, there's there's mm. history to it, so it, it's it's hard to look at something like that. It's like EG. I like EG. Mm -hmm. Evil Genius sounds good to me now. But if it was a brand new right. team, I promise you, everybody's like, what the fuck is that's a garbage name? But it doesn't matter. What about four Zoomers? All right. Great. What's the second question? Okay. Second question is Do you think that there is an age gap for playing esports? What age would age that cap. be? What did I say? Gap? Age cap yeah. for playing esports? What age would that be? Does that concept also apply to Dota 2? I'll go first because you're going to be able to give a better answer than me, I'm sure. Uh, getting old, though. We are both getting old. Um, I think it's definitely more of a thing for reaction-based games, like yeah. more reaction-based games, like FPS, just any FPS game. I think there is an age cap. Uh, I don't know what that would be. I'm sure that's the thing. Like Even in like the NBA, right? Mm -hmm. there's technically an age cap where you should be declining. But then people like LeBron James go out there at 36 or however old he is and are playing just as good as he did 10 years ago. They're anomalies. If you take out the one or two exceptions, I would say Dota is definitely higher than... Like an FPS, like a 30 to 35 is extreme limits, I would say. Mm -hmm. Dota, I could see a 40-year-old pro, honestly, but yeah. still a lot of youngsters out there. I mean, uh, at the same time, like this reaction thing is if you think about it, reaction is a really big part of any sport, right? The faster you react in basketball, the faster you react in football, the faster you react in tennis gives you a competitive advantage because you are quicker to move your body to where the ball is, right? If you react to a shot in tennis, you need to quickly move. So I, I think it's hard to say that reaction doesn't matter in that as well. So with that in mind, if you can be a, a top pro in tennis or football or whatever at 35 or 40, why can't you in esports, including in CS? Okay. Like technically, like it, maybe it's just disproportionate because the re, like the importance of the reaction is bigger in Counter Strike than it is in football. But is it? I maybe think it is. I think it is. It probably is a relatively more important thing. But like you would think, okay, in something like tennis, man, if you don't react fast, you're not going to catch the ball before you've lost the point, right? Um, Somebody in chat bring up a really fast. like Roger Federer. You like tennis? I like tennis. Yeah, it's a really good. He's yeah. really old and he's still really. I mean, he's, he's been injured. He's Thirty nine. He's an absolute god. So but probably one of the most unbelievable people from sports ever. I think. Yeah, but again, um, I would consider him an anomaly. Still, there's not right. like that doesn't happen very often. There's going to be yeah, a couple here and there. But if there are anomalies, then you know it's about whether there is a cap or not, right? Like even if it's few people that can do it, then it's still doable. I think um, IQ can take you farther in Dota than it can like a Counter-Strike, Valorant, FPS type game. I think reaction time in the FPS games is far more important than Dota. Doesn't mean it's yes. not important, but very, very, like 
And I think Dota also lends itself because of the difference in roles, right? I think it's yeah a lot harder to... I just think some roles need reaction time more than other roles. Like the least reaction heavy role in many situations, at least, is probably position five. And the most reaction heavy role in many situations is the mid or the carry because, you know, you just put the more gold you put into a player and the more resources you give them, the more relatively important these like tenths of a second moments become because they're game defining for them. Whereas for a support, like that doesn't mean it can't happen. You can lose a game because your five reacts too slowly, gets caught and dies, and then the fight is lost. But, you know, again, on average, the cores will be more important to have those mechanical skills. And that's usually why in most teams across the board, the average age, there was a really interesting graph about that some time ago. The average age is easily among the top pros, highest for position five and lowest for position two, which is yep, really interesting to see. I think it's also because carrying kind of just, it appeals to you if you're a young up and coming player, right? You're like, I'm going to beat everyone. I'm so good at this game. You're going to play a high impact role so you can prove yourself and do your best. So you're just, that role lends itself more to you. Whereas four and five can be like more strategic, um, more about macro and looking at the map. Not to say cores aren't about macro, they are, but you get the idea. It's a big picture role in a different way. Yeah. Um, so. so somebody, before, as we wrap this up, somebody in chat was bringing up other NBA references like Steve Nash and Vince Carter, who were very old. But I will argue that those are not anomalies because yeah, they were in the NBA, but they were awful. They were fucking horrendous in their later years. Like, absolutely atrocious. Vince Carter, for like the last five years of his career, was horrible. Like, he's just there on the bench helping his team from an IQ perspective and occasionally gets in for some garbage time. Come on. Terrible example. But LeBron James at 36 is still... I hate to compliment Lakers players, but he's still playing at an unreal level at 36. That is truly an anomaly. No, nothing like that has ever come into the NBA and be that mm. good at 36. It's not not a thing, especially considering <clears throat> how many games he's played throughout his career. Okay. Do you think, just a final comment on this, do you think part of what makes LeBron James so good, even for his age, is that a lot of it about game IQ? Because like, if so, we're making that argument for Dota, right, that you can get really far by it with experience and knowledge and game understanding, does he beat players in basketball a lot on mechanics or on it's like, both. just really good game understanding? Somehow and it's both physicality and IQ. So the IQ thing has been okay. like, like, a lot of these top NBA players are really smart. Like They'll literally remember, not even joking, every single play of a game. Somebody can bring up, it's like, oh, what happened at this possession, at this minute of this quarter of this game? A year later, he'll mm -hmm. remember. Like crazy, crazy memory with that kind of stuff. So now after playing in the NBA for so many years, yes, he's higher than everybody else in that category. But the second thing that makes him more of an anomaly, in my opinion, is his body. Just mm -hmm. God-tier body. He spends millions. He's one of the first NBA athletes to spend literal millions of dollars a year maintaining his body. Like it's not been done to this degree in any sport in history. He has the best body not to be that guy, but it's okay. He has the literal best athletic body in any sport history. And again, it truly pains me to say this about a Lakers player. It disgusts me on a level. I, I'm not going to respect myself in the morning. It's going to be really hard to fall asleep tonight. But he is truly the best athlete. I'm not saying he's the best player. He's the best athlete of any sport in the history of mankind, period, in my opinion. Okay.
That's a big uh, statement. It, I, You're going to get don't some flack for that one. I don't think it's even controversial. I'm not even lying. I don't even think really? it's that controversial. Yeah, I think for people that watch the NBA, they'll pretty much agree with me. Uh, but again, it doesn't mean he's the best. I think Michael Jordan was a better player. Just throwing it out there. I'm going to be that guy as well. Okay. Uh, I so like that Michael Jackson too. He brings really us. He's dead. But thanks for bringing that up. Very sad tears here, Cinderin. Sorry. Uh, have you seen In Bruges for this week's episode? No. Thank you, everybody, for watching. I really didn't know. So let me tell you, I was really considering watching it, <laughs> but then I felt like you disrespected me last week by not asking. It's oh. like you don't care anymore. So it's like, why would I care? Yeah, so thanks. After did. after yeah. two years, really appreciate your friendship. Yeah. Okay, guys, until next time, Sunspan Center sending out. Have a great week, everybody. Until next I already said that. Bye. Uh, bye. We say things that don't mean anything. But thanks for listening.